0: done these episodes in the past and I wanted to do one like this and I realized I had so many topics that it might actually end up being split into two parts but I had a bunch of stuff sort of show up that's like scam related and I've been you know I collect those links and I wait for a while right? and uh, I think the last one we really covered was when we looked at the romance scam related with do you know what i'm talking about we did one like briefly we covered the guy who was tricking the the girl yeah 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 um i found
1: i found another
0: yeah that guy yes
1: yeah i think that's the last one yeah
0: so I thought we'd turn this into a kind of scamsgiving episode, for lack of a better word. And what I thought we would do was I've, I've got a stack of these articles here. So they're all kind of true crime-ish news. And I thought the best way to handle them would be to, to just talk about some scams that have come up this year. I had this article I saved back in March because they updated it in September. It's the perfect kickoff for scamsgiving. Uh, This is a guy named David Earhart. Have you heard of him at all?
1: Only briefly.
0: Okay. So David Earhart pops up in the Buffalo News in a pretty cool article from a guy named Dan Herbeck. uh, H-E-R-B-E-C-K. And the Buffalo News is just buffalonews.com if you want to go and read about this one. The headline is, Secret Agent Scam, Married Man Who Masqueraded as Single Federal Agent avoids long jail term. This case has been going on for a minute. Uh, Here's how the article kind of starts out. Everything was ready for a lovely wedding reception at a North Buffalo home on September 21st of 2019. All the trappings were there. A photographer was hired to snap pictures. Pretty flowers were arrayed throughout the home and a sumptuous meal was prepared. Friends and relatives of the bride were dressed up and ready to celebrate the happy event. But there was one big problem. The bridegroom, David J. Earhart, had neglected to tell his fiancée he was already married. He had also failed to tell her that he was lying when he claimed over a period of several years that he was doing dangerous secret undercover work as an agent for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. The day before the wedding, David persuaded his fiancée to postpone it explaining that he was worried about the consequences of a dangerous case that he'd been working on. The couple went forward with the party at the fiancé's home in North Buffalo. Most of the guests were unaware that the couple had not married. Shortly after this, David's story began to unravel. The construction company foreman soon became the subject of a lengthy federal investigation. On January 31st of 2023, So this is David that we're talking about. The 53-year-old Blasdale man was sentenced to six months in federal prison by U.S. Magistrate Judge Kenneth Schroeder. In one of the many strange developments in the story, the U.S. Attorney's Office dropped 27 charges against Earhart, and they allowed him to plead guilty to a single misdemeanor. That misdemeanor was the improper use of a fake Homeland Security badge. Pause right there for a second. How do you improperly use a fake Homeland Security badge?
1: I don't know. Maybe we could ask him.
0: All right. So when prosecutors announced his indictment back in 2021, they said that David faced a potential $250,000 fine they were seeking up to 20 years in prison. They said he falsely claimed that he worked for Homeland Security and the CIA as part of a scheme to persuade his fiance to give him $72,839 for medical and legal expenses. So David, he pled not guilty to 24 counts of wire fraud, two counts of impersonating a government agent, and one count of making a false statement to a government agent. But then all of those charges were dropped. And prosecutors allowed Earhart in 2022 to plead guilty to a single misdemeanor carrying a maximum sentence of six months in prison. When asked by the Buffalo News to explain themselves, prosecutors at the U.S. Attorney's Office refused to provide any explanation. U.S. Attorney Trini E. Ross and Aaron J. Mango, who were prosecuting the case, specifically Aaron Mango was the chief was the uh, was the first chair on this case. They declined to speak with the news about David. Earhart. We have no comment, is all Barbara Burns, the U- the office spokeswoman for the U.S. Attorney's Office said. And there is nothing in publicly filed court records that explains why prosecutors dropped all 27 felonies. The news asked Earhart's attorney, Justin Genter, why he thinks prosecutors allowed his client to plead guilty to one misdemeanor. Ginter said, There was a lot of conversations between me and the U.S. Attorney's Office on all the aspects of this case. I told them that he did not use his story about being a Homeland Security officer with the intent of extracting money from this woman. She gave him this money because of the romantic relationship they had, not because he showed her a fake Homeland Security badge. Ginter added that he believes his client's love for the woman was sincere. In sentencing Earhart, Judge Schroeder said he was disturbed by the Blastel man's actions. The judge fined Earhart, because he was so disturbed, $250. Prosecutors did not ask the judge to order order Earhart to pay any restitution to his ex-fiancee, and he did not. But the judge called David a classic con artist who dealt in infidelity and deception and said he did not appear to be truly sorry for his actions. Schroeder, the judge, said that he found Earhart's actions to be especially upsetting at a time when Americans looked to Homeland Security to help protect from mass shooters and other dangerous criminals. Mango, the prosecutor, asked the judge to impose a maximum sentence of six months. He invited the woman who gave Earhart money and tried to marry him to address the court. The ex-fiancee is a woman in her 50s. She told the judge she met Earhart in 2015 when they both worked at a store that sold architectural terracotta for the facades of buildings. She said they began dating in 2016 and they fell in love. The North Buffalo woman added that Earhart was involved in every aspect of my family and social life for more than five years. He hurt me emotionally, financially and psychologically. David never wavered from presenting himself as an unmarried man who was devoted to two adult children, but he was always finding excuses to avoid introducing her family to his family, she said. They shared family dinners, attended birthdays, family holidays, graduations, sporting events, and vacations. And in her statement to the court, she wrote, he mowed my lawn, walked the dog, helped with carpool, helped with house chores, and carved the Thanksgiving turkey." He had slippers in my back hall. According to indictment papers, Earhart also persuaded his victim to give him money, 24 checks in total. $72,000 was the value of these checks between 2018 and 2020. In 2020, David tried to pay the woman back with a check that bounced because there were insufficient funds in his account, according to the indictment. The judge also heard from Lynn King, who is an attorney for two of the ex-fiance's adult daughters. Lynn King said that David's scam also harmed the daughters. She said David repeatedly told them he was an undercover agent who risked his life to help children victimized by human traffickers. He scared these kids, King said, referring to her clients. He told them they were under security watch 24 hours a day because of the dangerous work he did. He would text them at all hours saying their mother was in danger. David told her clients at one point, according to King, that he worked and reported directly to the president. Concerned friends and family members hired a private detective to investigate Earhart in 2020. And after that, a person connected with the family contacted federal law enforcement about him. The Inspector General's Office of Homeland Security investigated David, who was never employed as a federal agent. During the sentencing, David told Schroeder that he is genuinely sorry for his crime and sorry for anyone he hurt. He said that his behavior may have been affected by medical problems that clouded his judgment. His attorney, Genter, described David as a married man who fell in love with another woman and then got caught up in a web of lies. He said that David is a hardworking construction foreman who has the utmost remorse for his wrongdoing. He did not set out to scam anyone. Ginter later told the Buffalo News. He said his client was in love with two women, his wife and the woman who became his fiance during a romance that lasted more than five years. Telling his fiance that he did dangerous work as a federal agent enabled him to postpone wedding plans and to explain why he could not be with her and her family on many occasions. But Mango, the prosecutor, called David a habitual liar. He's very good at charming people like my clients, said King. David presented himself as some kind of secret agent who had to travel all over the country to protect kids from human trafficking. But actually, we know he was going to Blasdell to spend time with his wife. According to court papers, David had been with his wife for 25 years and married to him since 2014. And they had continued to live together even after learning about this romance with another woman. His wife attended the sentencing to show support for her husband, and she wrote a letter to the judge, calling David a good man and asking the judge to go easy on him. She wrote, We have been together for 25 years, and for that reason, I have a hard time wrapping my head around this entire situation. I know my husband well. This is completely out of character for him. She declined to comment last week when the Buffalo News contacted her. Schroeder chose not to jail David after the sentencing. He allowed David to surrender to federal prison authorities after they had chosen a correctional facility for him to do his time. David's former fiancé struggled for words during her emotional five-minute statement before Judge Schroeder on January the 31st. She told the judge that her romance with David had badly damaged her own relationships with her family and many of her friends. She said David really knows me and knows how much I value honesty, loyalty, and devotion to family and friends, but he took those qualities of mine and he weaponized them against me. Wow. So I can't come to the ball game for the kids because I've got to go rescue some kids for homeland security. That's an interesting idea, right?
1: No. It's it's okay. I just wanna point out it start the article starts out by saying they worked together selling terracotta. Yeah. In twenty fifteen. Yep. And then they start dating in 2016. I'm just saying most homeland security agents don't have second jobs.
0: I don't know how this went down. Like and I'm not making fun of anybody. I didn't use uh, I don't think I used the names, did I? I'm pretty sure I didn't use
1: either. I name. just want to. I feel like this. <laughs> kudos to whomever finally was like, let's get a private investigator to do a background check on this dude. However, so I agree with that part of it. I disagree with going to the feds about it. it, it there's no indication. <laughs> there's no indication here. Uh, wh- while he is most certainly a con artist and a very mixed up person he didn't steal money from her right like she gave it to him right Uh, and so you know I'm I'm not trying to victim shame I'm just saying there those are two very different things as far as you know and and ultimately he's he pleads guilty to one charge of uh, a misdemeanor which was uh proper use of a fake homeland security badge and when I typed when I typed in like what law is that or whatever I was I was sent to where all kinds of places you can buy fake homeland security (laughs) badges which is stunning to me because if I was gonna work for a fake agency I don't think it would be that one but anyway it doesn't matter I felt like uh I think they were fortunate if that was the prerogative, which clearly it was. They took resources to investigate this based on a private investigator doing a background check and then it being turned over to the fed. If I had been the judge presiding on this, I failed to see how allowing his victim fiance to speak is relevant there. Um, I also, they sort of... I don't know that they're making a big deal out of it, but they mention like they he wasn't forced to pay restitution. Well, yeah, he wasn't forced to pay restitution because there's literally no money involved in the crime that he's pleading guilty to. They're taking the bigger narrative there and kind of intertwining it, right? Yeah. I'm just saying. And so of course he's not forced to pay restitution. He was fined. And actually, like, you know, a $250 fine. I mean, for a judge just to kind of order that, that's a, it's a lot. I mean, I'm not saying the value is a lot. It's just trying to make a statement, right? But I mean, come on, like, is this really what we need? Like, is this really what we need, you know, justice for?
0: <laughs> well, they spend a lot of money on this. And I, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because this investigation lasts several years and involves a lot of people. And the specific reason I threw it on the pile for Giving is in January of 2023. So he pleads guilty July of 2022 to this misdemeanor. Uh, Okay, that's fine. January of 2023, the lawyer for the defendant files a sealed sentencing memorandum requesting that everything moving forward about this case be sealed from the public. Anytime somebody does that, and it looks hinky, and it smells hinky, and it is hinky. I feel like people should talk about it because, uh, and you, so so you can go find this David Earnhardt, sentencing memo. It's in the document cloud. Multiple multiple people have shared it. It has the whole story about this woman in here, and like the prosecutor just copy pasted it. Like I read a, a little bit of what the Buffalo News had pulled out because I felt like that was a succinct like little article, the letters that they write to the court are wild. And like they redact out the kid's name. So I feel pretty comfortable saying, you know, you, you should go look at this. I will say the women's names are in here and I feel bad about that part. But what this guy did and how it unfolds is wild. And go ahead.
1: But if he hadn't have, if he had not produced a fake Homeland Security badge, this never would have been in court.
0: That's what is the weirdest thing about it.
1: He I, don't gets find six that to be, I don't find that to be weird. I find that to be like how it should be, because there are people everywhere that will take as much money as you will write them a check for, and they will pretend whatever you need to hear them say, right? Yeah. And you have to be aware of that. And it shouldn't come down to a judge to say, you know, he shouldn't have done that to you. I mean, I do understand. I'm just saying, like, I don't find – this type of crime to be, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for people who allow themselves to fall in these holes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know that sounds mean, but like, this is a waste.
0: Well, here's what was worse about it. Okay. And and I wanted to bring this up. This is like a pretty massive document. If you go online and people go find it, because it's good holiday reading. Um, It tells their whole life story here and how all this happened. So he's essentially being sentenced for unauthorized possession of an imitation badge, which is in violation of Title 18 of the U.S. Code, Section 701. So I took all of the information I could find on this case, and you know how I get weird with this stuff, and I dumped them into a Word document. I copied and pasted everything I could find in all the ways the prosecutor's talking about him and the victims are talking about him, and I just searched for the word badge. And you know how many times it comes up? Once. It comes up exactly one time in the top of the document with the listed charge that he's pleading guilty to. They never talk about the credentials or the badges anywhere. And I –
1: Right, because the this the reason that the um, prosecution, uh, the U.S. attorneys declined to comment on it is because this is a dumb case.
0: It is so weird to me how much damage this guy could have done if somebody hadn't have been smart enough to hire a private investigator to check all this out.
1: I feel like he would have just continued cruising along. Um And while it is damaging, I agree that that it's damaging and it's the wrong thing. This guy should not be doing this type of thing. Okay. But when, you know, we can't have uh, government regulations on when, you know, your boyfriend can give you or you can give money to your boyfriend. Right? Or your fiance no. or whatever. Like, and you know, because of that, we have to look at the broader, you know, scope of things. Well, cause otherwise you end up in this situation where like, let's say that my husband, you know, I don't even know how to illustrate this. Let's say that I'm not married and I have a boyfriend. My boyfriend wants $20 to go buy some diet Pepsi, but he ends up buying, you know, regular Pepsi. Well, then, you know, am I going to go cry about it because he didn't use the money for what I gave it to him for? I. <laughs> but you see where, like, yes. the, the larger, like, the things that are being said here, and they are awful, okay? However, the government's not really in charge of all that. Right. Right? Like, sometimes you have to say, like, no, I'm not going to give you any more money, right? And... The fall, I mean, if I understand that as you get older, that, you know, it's not possible for you to have known everybody in your life for your whole life. Right. New people yeah. come into your life. Um, It seems like, you know, sh- this was a ongoing relationship. Right. Yeah. Uh, for quite a while. And it's a very sad, sad thing that he did. And like, I'm not really sure what his end game was. But, like, at some point during this, you know, double life he was leading, um, he proposed. Yeah. And planned a wedding all the way up until the day before the wedding. Um, Okay. So this guy's got serious issues, right? Well, they
0: say in these documents that, like, his dad had died. And I don't know if that's. I couldn't track down what they're saying. They're saying this could have been, like, some kind of grief psychosis. I can't track it down from the perspective of, like, what's really wrong with this dude. Except that, like, he was totally scammed. He told her... He told this woman he had cancer. Like, he went... He pulled out all the stops on this.
1: Right, but he's not... None of that stuff is criminal.
0: I... uh uh Yes, you're right. It's not criminal. It's just
1: a really bad person.
0: It's the worst kind of humaning that you can do. And that's ultimately, you know, that's ultimately kind of the theme here. Right.
1: Which is, yeah, being scammed. And I have a lot of sympathy for the victim in, to the extent that this happened to her. However, that doesn't change the fact that I see it as a complete waste of like federal justice, uh, resources. Right. Yeah. So while I don't want people to be doing this, like at the end of the day, he got that. So he got, I think he probably could have got off on all of this, but, uh, he was, uh, he did plead guilty and he was sentenced to time. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and he was fined $250. So, you know, Good for them for being able to get that plea across there and you know having it be adjudicated in some way. Um, I feel like when you just in this article, when you hear like sort of what the addresses like, you know, the victim addressing uh the judge and everything, and then his wife standing by him, it. It brings it to sort of this weird kind of like, well, they clearly are addressing things that aren't involved in, you know, his direct conviction here. Is that a waste of the court's time? Well, I think it is. But, you know, it's up to the judge and he allowed it. So whatever. But, you know, I don't blame him for wanting to have everything sealed. I don't know how much of this story I mean it's wrong and I don't have a problem with it being out there but like if he's seriously suffering from something that's causing him to be delusional is it really fair to have all well, this broadcasted like this
0: I I don't know I don't I don't think he's suffering from anything that's delusional and here's why I I finally decided you know what I feel like this falls on the side of like let's throw it out there so she does her long spiel in the sentencing memorandum that the government originally provides. Then his attorney files to seal the sentencing memorandum. And I noticed that they then do another version of what she said and they redact less information in that second version that they had, which is the one that's out there and it's kind of popular. She asked the court to pay back $150,000. And over the course of, this happens from 2016. it stops in 2021. five years, that's not actually that much money. she's $30,000 a year. It's a lot in terms of uh, getting it this way in this situation. she also asked for damages so she could pay for individual therapy, family therapy and psychiatric help basically that she's had to go through this. The government points out after they you know restate this entire thing that she says, That the defendant, when asked by the court during sentencing to like define himself and allocute to some of the situation, had for some reason told the court that he attended the University of Louisville. And so the government thought about it. That happened on July 11th, 2022, and one of the attorneys in the, the U.S. Attorney's Office Reaches back out to the Department of Homeland Security, who has been investigating this guy the whole time, and they say, hey, when did this guy go – like, we don't have any, like, college records for him. When did he go to the University of Louisville? So as a final, like, no, don't seal this. Don't do anything. The government includes an email exchange where – The Department of Homeland Security asked the register at the University of Louisville, can you just verify this for us? Because he just told the judge this in in the the plea hearing. And they say uh, all this stuff is bullshit. He's not been a student here. So this guy gets off on this tiny misdemeanor, in my opinion, that really will kind of disappear from his record if he doesn't have much more of a record. And – still lies to the court and says he went to college at a place he didn't go to college during the plea hearing to the point that it comes up in the sentencing memorandum. The, the, The government ends it by saying this, although the defendant's lie about attending the University of Louisville may seem trivial, it illustrates that the defendant is not a changed man as he represents in his sentencing memorandum, but rather a man who has created a complete alternate reality and is sticking to it at all costs. This court has an opportunity to stop the defendant's illusory lifestyle for the foregoing reasons the defendant should be sentenced to a sentence of six months imprisonment.
1: And he does get sentenced to that, right?
0: He gets six months in prison. Okay, look, first of all, they're pointing out that this guy is ridiculous. Like, straight-up ridiculous. And and I wanted to point out to you and see what you thought. You know, this takes place in Buffalo. And the other thing that we covered with Sean Wiggins took place in Saratoga Springs. They're, they're only a couple hundred miles apart in upstate New York, right?
1: Yeah, right. I I find it interesting to um, – the, the college lie, um, that's interesting, right?
0: He stuck to it. Why would he do that at Senate? I'm like –
1: I wonder if he didn't go to the college.
0: Hmm.
1: And But maybe he didn't graduate, right?
0: Oh, uh, I see what you're saying.
1: And well, so that, that would be like a, considering the situation, it's a weird hill to die on, right? Uh, like sticking to, you know, that I went to, I mean, because if he said he went to the college and then the registrar looked to see if, he was a graduate. That's two different things, right? Well, the
0: registrar just says I'm unable to find this individual in our system. And what they, what, what the guy says – So it's Rich Ford. He's a special agent with um, OIG up in Buffalo. He just right. says, "Good afternoon, the Department of Homeland Security Office of the Inspector General is." respectfully requesting verification if the falling individual was ever a student at the University of Louisville. David J. Earhart, he's got his birthday. It's the last four of his social. This information is requested in conjunction with an ongoing criminal investigation involving him in coordination with the United States Attorney's Office for the Western District of New York. If possible, kindly provide dates of attendance and if any and or degree received, call me with any questions. Thank you for assistance. It's got his number and all his info and all his creds. And they just respond back. I'm unable to find this individual in our system. But here's what I was wondering. Maybe he has a completely different name. Maybe, maybe there's more to this and we don't know. But I think they would have found it by now.
1: Well, right. Plus... I mean, he's 53, so he's going to have been going to college in the 80s. Like, what if their records aren't updated? It's just a really weird hill, like, given everything. Now, you know, the prosecutor says, like, this court has the opportunity to put a stop to this guy's illusory life or whatever they said. And, like, I'm going, well, I mean, is that really the court's place?
0: I I don't know the answer to that.
1: Because had he not said he worked for Homeland Security, there would have been nothing done about this.
0: So what do you – like in all of – so I, I uh, this is the last thing I'll point out on this. So this guy goes to prison and he is home for the holidays already.
1: Well, he was only sentenced to six months.
0: Yeah, like he goes to prison. But I mean, he's literally released now. So he gets out. He got out in October. And I was just like, oh, wow, that's got to be weird. Because this lady alleges that it's like $150,000 plus she paid for everything. Well,
1: um, she seemed to have. uh, So correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not looking at the same thing you are. Um, But correct me if I'm wrong. She seemed to almost like basically make an entire civil damages case in her letter to the court.
0: Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, you can take a look at this. Um, she's on page like eight through 13 of what I'm sending you right now. But yeah, she's it basically be
1: high. That's high, like the, the, that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, correct, correct. The, the laws that are set out, which it, to me, this just like reinforces my first, my first impression of this case, which is somebody doesn't understand like what the justice system is here for. Right. Correct. Um, And so, you know, she absolutely could hire an attorney and file a a civil case against this guy. Right. Um, I can fairly certainly say based on my, you know, earlier Pepsi analogy, that it is unlikely if she gave him the money of her own free will for whatever reason, it is unlikely that she's going to get any of it back. Not to mention the fact that he stole all that money from her to begin with, so he probably doesn't have any money, right?
0: That's what I think, yeah.
1: And so you cannot get blood from a stone. It does not happen. I feel like, Things like this can very much uh, cause more harm than good, because I don't know for certain, but it seems to me almost like she would feel like, well, the court didn't give me what I asked for, right? But it would be the complete inappropriate place for that to occur anyway.
0: It may have just been they slipped it in because I was looking at it and it looks like the way everything kind of unfolded here she would have been limited in the time she because it's exactly what you said it's sort of he said she said and if we wanted to make a uh civil case and and look at the statute of limitations i think they're trying to kind of get one over like does that make sense like the statute of limitations has expired on the civil case because of how the criminal case plays out and the fact that like she thought they were getting married as recently as the article indicated.
1: Well, right, but <laughs> um, that's true. Uh, it it's very sad. Um, I, I won't, you know, I, I I wouldn't say that it's not sad. It's it's somebody doing the wrong thing. Uh, absolutely, she was not treated as anybody would deserve to be treated. I mean, she was treated badly by this guy. I I don't know, like his, that whole situation is very strange to me, but I mean, it happens, right? It did, yeah. Okay. And so I, I feel like it is not a great, uh, I don't want to say precedent. I just I don't feel like when things like this happen, you should run to the authorities.
0: That's a really good segue by the way. You're dead on. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Are you following what I was thinking here too?
1: I don't know, but uh, oh, I'm just saying like this isn't something for the uh, authorities. That's oh, all.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay, so okay, so there's this case. And then the other scam case that I put in here. Comes out of Cary, North Carolina, and then I. So I've got. I don't know how much time you have today, but I got a couple more of these, and I, I'm going to definitely do at least two more. So, this one's not got as much oomph behind it, but I have a question about it. So, uh, so down there in that area, it's 11 News, which is the ABC affiliate. Uh, they have this woman, Diane Wilson, and she sort of functions as a troubleshooter. Have you ever seen these where? It's like one particular news person will, like, go and try and help certain viewers.
1: Yeah, like Like, on your side. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that kind of thing. So this is what Diane's article from September 21st of 2023 brought up. It says, Widow moves to Cary, North Carolina to start new life, ends up losing $78,000 of her life savings in a romance scheme. So here's how this goes. Uh, Finding love cost a carry woman more than $70,000. After losing her life savings, she's sharing her story to try and save others from the same emotional and financial heartbreak. This scammer didn't just act fast trying to get this woman's money. He fostered a relationship with her for months, just long enough for her to let her guard down. How he did it, I don't know, but it all looked legitimate to me, said Jennifer Dennis. Dennis still can't believe she lost her life savings to a man she met online. I'm out all that money, and I don't think I'll ever get it back. And at 76, I don't have a whole lot of future. This all started when Jennifer Dennis was living in Georgia and as a widow was looking for companionship. On Facebook, she met a man who went by Caleb. He was coming back to the States real soon, and he was wanting to settle in a new area because he'd lost his wife, she recalls. In the online chats between them, Caleb claimed to be in Yemen, a doctor working for the Red Cross. During their months-long online relationship, Caleb proposed that they buy a house in Cary, North Carolina, so they could start their lives together in a new place. This was a plan that Dennis was open to since the pain of her late husband was everywhere. Everything about the house at the time and the area reminded me of my husband, which was just heartbreaking. The deal would be that Caleb would pay $600,000 towards it, and she would pay the remaining $70,000 owed. Dennis thought it seemed like the perfect deal, so she wired $70,000 and then an additional $8,700 for other expenses. And she, along with her son Raymond, packed up everything they owned and drove to Cary, North Carolina, thinking they'd move into their new home. When I noticed someone was still living in the house and I knocked on the door, I automatically knew that it was a scam, said Raymond. The owner of the home told them he had lived in the home for years and had no intention of selling. Jennifer contacted Caleb right away. He sent me a picture of him. He had supposedly been beat up. That was the last time that I heard from him. Scammed in a new area and with all of her money gone. We didn't have any place to go. We ended up in our car sleeping, said Jennifer. Eventually, a generous person from their church provided them with a camper to live in. Jennifer Dennis is now sharing her story, hoping others looking for online companionship don't fall for the same romance scam she did. I think that it's devastating for me, but I have my son, which has been a blessing. So some women are totally alone and they get scammed like that. Dennis is not alone. As just last year, more than $1.3 billion was lost in romance scams, according to the Federal Trade Commission. The big red flags with romance scams are all communication happens online. They give you a sob story. Also, anytime they ask for money, whether they be they want you to wire it, buy Bitcoin or gift cards, it's all a sure sign that it's a scam. Okay. Can we just talk about the tender swindler for one second. This is exactly what that guy was doing.
1: Right. Okay. And so I don't know that. um, So I feel like um, in this case, Jennifer Dennis, I'd like to think that um, she's just trying to get the word out there. Right. Uh, It doesn't seem like she, I, I don't know if she went to the authorities. I haven't seen anything. Right it this is a news like abc 11 on your side or whatever it's called right it's a it's a person doing a story on it uh yeah. she's raising awareness um she said i think you said something about her being 70 some years old yeah um and 76 76 years old okay and so you know good for her uh to warn others right uh, i i feel like Um, it's vital uh, these days with all today's modern day technology uh, to let people know what could happen. Right? Right. Um, I'm not so sure that she couldn't uh, because of the the specificity here. Um, As far as, like, uh, supposedly she was paying for a house, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not so sure that that couldn't be some sort of wire fraud, but I doubt the guy's in the United States, right?
0: Well, my assumption is that – do you remember the Tindler, Swindler, the Simon Levine case?
1: A million percent, yes.
0: It's just like this. He even pretends to be beat up at one point in order to get more money.
1: And he actually met them, though. And see, she she never met this guy, which is like the absolute very first, like, huge, gigantic, blinking neon red flag. I mean, it's, it's just not a good idea to uh, give anybody money, especially anyone you don't know. It is hard. It's sort of hard for me to, like, comprehend it. But at the same time, I appreciate the fact that, like, you know, clearly this woman was lonely. Uh, She does have her son. Um, Hopefully he will help look out for her. But um, this is – it's never going to be a situation where that's going to be a good idea, right?
0: Oh, and so here's where I was going. You know how you were like, how did these people end up going to the cops? And I said that's a perfect segue. Yeah,
1: yeah. What did she no, no. think the news could
0: do for her?
1: Well, I think – well, and so that's why I was responding the way I was. I think that she is trying to warn people.
0: Right, but um, she goes to the on-your-side person. Like, okay, I, you think it's not – like I just look at it. I, I would be so embarrassed. I hope this never happens to me. I would be so embarrassed knowing that, one, people like Simon – uh, Lviv are out there doing nonsense like this and he you're right he did meet some of the women in person but I wondered like is this his new shtick because that guy just got more famous he's not in prison anywhere he's out walking free and I just thought to myself like did he get more famous and keep doing that type scam but keep it completely hands off to make it keep going forward
1: oh do you think it's him <laughs>
0: I don't. I don't know if it's him. I think it's somebody like him because the, the shtick. Okay, it's either someone just like him, in his circle, part of a group where he learned a model and they all do the same model, or it's somebody that went on and saw the tender swindler and was like, I can do that.
1: I feel like this is somebody. Well, sort of playing the long game. I. I. I don't know that I absorbed exactly how long this all happened but um she probably wasn't the only one
0: that's what i'm thinking
1: and it's it's very very tricky you know they call these scams like for a reason right because like once the scam sort of happens your, your yeah. money disappears. Like there's not a whole, even if like there was some sort of criminal aspect that somebody could charge something about, like you're not getting your money back. It's gone, right? Which is exactly why, I mean, I don't even know if I, this is something that, you know, if, you, if you're buying property with somebody that you've never met, I would encourage you not to do so. However, you know, there's uh, escrow attorneys out there that could possibly help this not happen for you, right? In the purchase of like real estate, right? Now, it would have to be somebody like you went to their office and met them and they, because they would say, look, don't do this. This is a scam, right? Um, I'm just saying that there are ways that if you, you really need this to happen for you, not lose your money. But most of the time, scammers aren't in it for, you know, the deep dive so to speak they're not going to you know they're not going to take it but so far people who are lonely you know are very easy targets and you know shame on that dude whoever he is right because yeah it's like that is that is the most bottom of the bottom feeder there's no question in my mind that jennifer dennis is like the type of person who's almost too good for her own good, right? Yeah. In in seeing the world sort of the way she must have seen it to to, you know, have the hope she had in the situation and like it's unfortunate that this happened to her the way it did. But the guy, I guarantee you that she was not his first nor last victim.
0: Yeah, I know. And, you know, this so the story gets picked up on the wire, kind of goes viral and other people start telling similar stories. I noticed that the Daily Mail picked this up, which is always sort of a dubious source. But they talk about uh, Jennifer's this exact article that I was just reading and then they expand on it. And they say that in February 2023, they had run a piece uh, when a man named David Hodge ran a similar scam on a woman named Laura Francis. On Facebook, he told her he was a surgeon in the military. They were on a secret mission for the Marines in North Korea, helping soldiers who had been injured by explosives in the war. He tells her this whole story about his ex-wife uh, cheating on him. And after being in relationships with younger women, he was looking for someone more mature. And this woman, uh, sh- she's 69 years old. She starts spending the next few months getting to know him on text and Google chat. And a few weeks into their, uh this online affair they're having that guy starts asking her for money so this is a common thing that people are are kind of doing and that like it's the same document scam that the that they were running in Tinder swindler there like there's a lot of these happening out there and it was honestly a little disturbing for me to see how frequently they get reported but that 1.3 billion dollar number apparently is attached to over 70,000 people. So they're losing a lot of money with this happening. I had one more. Do you have anything else on these guys or you want to, I've got one more type of scam that was interesting to me. Sure. Um, this is still kind of a romance scam. I thought it was a uh, very different. I pulled this article. I think it ran mid to late October. There was a, it was online I actually pulled the Post version of it because they were the most sensational. Uh, it comes from a woman writing for the Post named Shannon Thaler. I think Shannon is a woman. Um, sometimes that can be oh, that can be a man or a woman. But uh, the title was AMC CEO Adam Aron sent sexually explicit photos and text to woman he thought did unmentionable things as part of the elaborate catfishing scheme. So it said that Adam, who is the controversial CEO of the meme stock, darling AMC entertainment. uh, And for people who don't know what that means, it just means online people manipulated that stock in sort of groups through Facebook and Reddit to make it go up and down when it really wasn't reflective of the, of the company's performance. Um, So he's the CEO of AMC entertainment, which is, you know, it's a movie outlet basically. It says that he sent sexually explicit images and text messages to a woman he thought was a ballerina who had, quote, done unmentionable things to him. Uh, Instead, the woman turned out to be a 34-year-old Bronx con artist who was catfishing and attempted to extort the buried executive. Uh, And ultimately, Adam admits this to a couple of different news sites, including Semaphore, who are reporting about what happened. The scam surfaced in a sealed federal indictment filed in the Southern District of New York in 2022 against Sequoia Blackwood. That's S-A-K-O-Y-A, Blackwood. They pled guilty over the summer. Adam is identified in this indictment as victim number one. He's described as a public company CEO. He says that he sent a woman by the name of Mia, raunchy photos that included him and another woman and blackwood had reportedly messaged adam aaron in march of 2022 claiming to be a 17 year old russian model so they have this steamy exchange uh by text message where adam says who's been married since 1987 by the way he mistook uh sequoia blackwood's uh Mia identity as a woman with whom he had a prior relationship so he believed he knew Mia think about that for a second
1: well I think that's how this like turns into what it becomes
0: right 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 Um, so he asked her whether she was a ballerina with whom he had done unmentionable things and this is according to these sealed court documents that get out uh, Blackwood goes on to fabricate a cast of characters, including a fake ex-boyfriend, a made-up Vanity Fair reporter claiming to have seen all these messages, and all of them reach out to the CEO through various online accounts. Using all of these aliases, uh, Sequoia Blackwood demands six figures in Hush Money and threatens to screenshot her messages with Adam Aaron and share them with the press and with AMC's board. Um and she, she texts him under the guise of the ex-boyfriend and says, offers are coming in like crazy. People love this kind of scandal. At one point, Sequoia even reveals that she has the unlisted cell phones of six different AMC board members. Now, in 2022, Adam Aaron took home uh, $23.7 million from AMC and from his bonuses and his salary. He doesn't cough up any money and he reports what's going on to the FBI and the Department of Justice. He discloses this on Twitter, by the way, in October. And he says that he had disclosed the role to AMC's board of directors after Blackwood was sentenced to nearly a year in jail. So she gets sentenced on counts of extortion and of cyber stalking. And... This one was interesting to me. One, it's it's got a male victim. It's a very different kind of scam. It uh, is very
1: different, and I want to be clear about that.
0: It's very elaborate.
1: Well, it's also extortion.
0: It is yes. This is um, because they have no personal relationship. And by the way, she does hardly any time in jail. She got out in July of 2023. Sequoia Blackwood did. This is a uh, from the jump. This is blackmail and extortion. And essentially what Adam says about it, he says, last year I became the victim of an elaborate criminal extortion by a third party who is unknown to me related to false allegations about my personal life with my access to resources. If I did not stand up against blackmail, who would? Um, representatives for AMC did not immediately respond to the post request for comment. They do make a note in here in this article in the post, and it's one of the reasons I brought it up, is AMC had been on the verge of bankruptcy in 2021, but they were able to avert disaster after millions of retail investors turned it into a meme stock and the shares soared up to $60. As of this article, it was closing at $11. But uh, Adam Aaron had unloaded a large amount of AMC stock in January of 2022 while that was happening. And he was able to clear $7.1 million. And this came a year after Adam Aaron had sold more than $40 million in shares. And he disclosed this plan in an earnings call uh, in August. I think it was August, 2022. I just find this all fascinating that a 60 some year old guy is being extorted on this level in, in New York at this time in 2023.
1: Well, this was a, it's a good example of a very elaborate crime of opportunity. Right. Um, And he's actually, I don't feel like, so he is a victim in the sense of it was appropriate for him to go to the FBI about this. Okay. Yes. Anytime somebody is, is, Making uh, threats like, I'm going to tell your board members if you don't give me money. Okay, that's extortion, right? That is a crime. Um, That is something that can be prosecuted and that the person will be punished for. I mean, you know, punishment uh, that may or may not be uh justice right um you right. said that she spent hardly i don't know how long she spent in jail okay and so this is like a completely different situation than the other ones that we were talking about because in their situations these people cultivated a relationship with their target right yes uh, in one situation it was a real relationship to the point where like they were they had planned their wedding and even when the wedding was canceled they had a party right um, such a weird situation, I'm just saying. Um, and then the other one was a an online uh, relationship where it was just a matter of time before they started their happy new life together, right? Right. Um, and then in this situation, uh, you know, he kind of put cards on the table that I'm not necessarily sure that would have been there if he hadn't have said something, right? Yeah. Um, however, I don't know how much of the story, like, is what he actually said versus what, you know, could have been interpreted by the people on the other side of that, uh, the person on the other side of that. And so, you know, we don't really have any idea of, like, because because it was, the whole point was trying to shame him and to giving her money, right? Correct. Okay. And so to the extent that anything happened that was inappropriate, like if he did have some sort of relationship with an underage girl or whatever, like we don't know, we don't have any corroborating facts on that, which, you know, that would be an inappropriate situation. However, that does not change the fact that, you know, you've got the scammer committing a crime, Of extorting him. Okay. And so I just wanted to make that distinction because it is, I know that they, I mean, and it's not inappropriate to lump sort of all these together because they all have some commonalities, right?
0: Yeah.
1: But like the, but anytime, you know, anyone is being extorted, they absolutely should go to the authorities because that is a crime. And I feel like this guy almost did like a public service.
0: I was going to say that. Like, okay, so I'm not sure. Okay, this, this has interesting ramifications for him as a CEO of a public company because a publicly traded company, the ramifications can roll all the way to the stockholders if they think he's incompetent or he's some kind of ball. which let's just face it. All of those things are possible. We don't know what's going on here, but we do know somebody on the spin team, and I say like a like a public relations team here, an image team, definitely was involved, because the way that this gets presented for this guy that made millions and millions of dollars in you know in the theater industry or movie industry during and after the pandemic, like that's a big deal, and for it to be a publicly traded company, uh, his competency can have long running ramifications uh, and his ability to run the company, which if he's in prison, like he's going to have to step down as of the recording that we're doing, he hasn't stepped down. And like, it's, it's interesting that it does end up being basically a public service. And I agree with you. If something like this happens Report it to the authorities.
1: Now You should report it to the FBI specifically. They are the ones who handle extortion cases.
0: Yeah. And so for people who don't know, and like I know I get all over the FBI at different times, um, they ran a press release on this woman in September of 2022. So they arrested her at the end of August. She basically stays in prison through a July sentencing date. She pleads guilty right away. And they sentence her to time served. But they ran at the end of you know, her press release, and she she had one when she was uh, picked up, and then she had one when she was sentenced. So they hit her with one count of making interstate communications with the intent to extort, which is a maximum sentence of two years in prison, one count of cyber stalking, which carries a maximum of five years, and one count of extortion, which carries a maximum sentence of 20. Um, they ran the number 1-800-CALL-FBI at the bottom, saying basically... If you believe you're a victim of this offense by her or anyone else, please, you know, call us. Uh, and you absolutely should when someone is running this kind of scheme, because it could be that like some random person is just messing with you, but it could also be that you're part of a much bigger scheme you know nothing about.
1: Right, and you know, I, I hesitate to even say this, but I'm going to. So without this, you know, criminal act of extortion. None of this guy's personal life would be out there. We have no idea what's true versus, like I was saying earlier, what was just thrown out there. We don't know what happened because this isn't about his actions, right? And this is about him coming forward after he was being, you know, scandalized, (laughs) I guess is right. Right? <laughs> scamalized.
0: Yeah. It's weird because this forces yeah, you're right. There's no word for what's happening here.
1: Okay. And so because of that, like we're presented with something from, you know, a journalist who has made an article about this. And did they unseal the complaint?
0: No, that's the other thing I was okay. gonna point out. Like and so the,
1: we don't know for certain that he even did anything wrong. And go ahead. I'm sorry. I cut you off.
0: No, you're fine. Um, I, I have one more question about this, but its I'll get to it. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Well, because well, the response I'm seeing is like, you know, crucify him, basically, is what I'm seeing. And I feel like people are kind of missing the point. I'm not saying anything with regard to his possible, whatever he's possibly done. Okay. I do think it says a lot, though, when somebody comes forward and they take the situation to the proper authorities and the authorities deal with it. And, you know, if there was something that he had done criminally, I would hope that in the meantime, the authorities would be addressing that. And I feel like it's not really fair to jump to conclusions. when the, the, when the whatever was sealed by the court, right? The complaint goes on and it's sealed. And I feel like in that situation, unless somebody just has access to the sealed document, I don't even see how they're putting allegations out there. Now, I read a bunch of comments, which is why I'm saying this. Um, I don't know if you saw them. But basically, everybody's coming after this guy because he had inappropriate behavior. He may have, I don't know, but that's not the point of this. And I don't want that to get lost. I mean, if he did something, if he did something criminal or inappropriate or whatever, they should address that separately. But I don't feel like everybody should jump to conclusions. Now, I feel also like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I'm characterizing this guy as an actual victim of a crime. He is a victim. When I have said that these women who were scammed earlier, like they voluntarily gave money to their, you know, who they thought was their significant other. And I feel like the distinction should be made there that like, you know, you have to guard your own heart and can't, you cannot trust, you know, the FBI or whoever else to get justice for you one day. Right. I mean, cause it's two completely different things happening there. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they kind of hit this guy with the whole seventeen-year-old thing. Okay, so first of all, this would have all been sealed somehow. Semaphore, four, they get it, they put it out there to the world, whatever. Uh, I we don't look,
1: know that that's true, though, right?
0: Don't know. Or do what, we? Don't know what.
1: The thing about the seventeen-year-old girl. Well,
0: well, this is this is where I was going to go with that. Okay, that is because okay. To prove that the photos were not real, prosecutors sought to identify the girl. But the text messages don't actually – when when he is texting with this girl, it's photos. It's not her saying, I'm 17. It's her saying, hey, it's Mia and photos. And when the prosecutors go to identify the girl later – It is photos of a 17-year-old girl, but he didn't know that. He didn't know that she was 17. He, like, looked at the pictures and said, I think I know who that is. He literally just said, are you such and such who used to do things to me? Um, So people crucifying him on the underage part and also these news outlets jumping on the underage part, that's a little weird. But Just
1: without more information, Right. Right. Because, I mean, if he was really – if something's happening that's illegal, I feel like the authorities have all the information they need to take charges out against him. But I also stand by the fact that, like, a scumbag who was hiding something, I don't know that you immediately go to the FBI with it, right?
0: You do not. That's That was going to be my point. That was going to be kind of my wrap-up here. I, and that's what I was going to ask you. Like, I don't think – Somebody who had anything to hide related to what we're talking about is going to be the one to go to the FBI. But I certainly – and look, Adam Aaron is weird. He has done some weird stuff. There was a 2021 interview with him where I'm pretty sure he wasn't wearing pants and people pointed it out. He has bought crazy things with AMC's money and like it has looked bonkers. But he has fully embraced – that there is a generation of new investors out there willing to do strange things to particular stocks, like GameStop was a huge meme stock where for no reason whatsoever, it was suddenly worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars a share when it really shouldn't have been. Same thing happened with AMC, and this guy has embraced it, and he has led them down that path. And I think that a person who had done something with a 17-year-old that could be traced back, in a way that law enforcement would find it, would never go to the FBI. But I certainly think they do not go on Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days and post their story for others to know what's happening. And I think a little bit of it is him, you know, doing that thing he does for attention because he's a weirdo and it works. And I think I think the rest of it is like you said, it's almost a public service announcement. You should turn these people in.
1: Absolutely. I, I feel like he really did a service. And I feel like just this one time, right. And and I, and I say that I I may, I may have seen another case. I I don't know, but like just this one time, you know, we see the cycle of justice happening, right. Yeah. As far as, um, she didn't get any money from him. Right? Uh, she got time served, but it was the equivalent of almost a year, right? I guess, from August to the next July. Um, and she sat there, right? Yep. Um, he did not pay her. And I don't know that it will deter her, but possibly, right?
0: Oh, I'm dying for her to be arrested again this year because we can talk about her before the year's out. But hey, look – at the end of the day here, this guy, like, set a decent example for how to deal with, like, this kind of crazy situation. And I think that's what should be people's takeaway. This guy was a victim. I'll tell you what bothered me about this, though, when I was reading it. I was like, how did the sealed grand jury indictment for the Southern District of New York wander its way out like that?
1: Because I that's actually – that what-
0: well, I have not been able to find, like, the source. It was posted originally as a scoop. And I see,
1: I feel like there's been details added here. I don't think that – I don't think that I, – I feel like it's out of context. I feel like the underage made, situation is out of context. And I also – I feel like um, this guy probably had some splaining to do, but I don't feel like it was anything criminal.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't think he did anything, like, from what I can tell. And I could be missing the mark, and I'm glad to retract my statement. It looks to me like he just got suckered, and people tried to make it more than it was. And then well, I'm getting suckered into reading about it.
1: Well, but he didn't – well, okay, yes, you're right. But he ended up not being the sucker because the whole point, okay, when this chick started her fiasco – I feel like she was going to do one thing and then she like switched gears because of some of the comments he made. But this chick, uh, the chick that was arrested, okay, the photo so she Sequoia
0: Blackwood.
1: Sequoia Blackwood <laughs> sent photos of an underaged girl. Okay, probably without their consent. I'm just saying. And I feel like that... Was the start of the scam. Yeah. Because the the scam there, the extortion there would be like, oh yeah, look at me. Well, she didn't say like in, when she sent the photos, she didn't say like, oh, I'm 17, right? Right. Okay, like you were saying. But his response was, hey, are you this person that I had a thing with, right?
0: Yeah, he's okay. recalling something from it. It appears that he's recalling really something from different. years earlier. Yeah.
1: Right. But it, the implication that it was with a 17 year old girl, I feel like, is out of context.
0: Yeah, it's drawn for sensationalism here. It really right. is.
1: And, but he's just thinking, like, oh, are you that chick? Right. Yeah. Which is not good. He would have explaining to do to his wife, right, about that. However, the response that he gave while it may have changed the path like the earlier extortion was just going to be like the fact that he had uh been receiving photos from an underage girl right like i'm sure it would have progressed and whatever and that's not really true because like you know, people don't think these things all the way through, but if it had played out, like actually she would be sending like pornography of a child to him. Right. I'm just saying. Okay. And so, and she, and Sequoia Blackwood is 34 years old. Right. So she's got plenty of years to know better. Um, if this is not a child doing it, um, and the headline skimmers, I feel like, are going to focus then on the wrong things. And I don't think somebody that has done this public service, in my opinion, I don't feel like he should be like... You know, crucified for that or whatever. I called out on being like this perv or whatever. If he gets charged with something, if information comes to light that, you know, any of that information is true, where he did have, you know, an inappropriate relationship with an underage girl, that's a completely different story. Okay. But, and they should act appropriately. In this story, all he did was stop an extortionist.
0: Correct. And I and, think if, I think if something else were going to come out of this, it, would it already, already would have, yeah So that's really all I got for Scamsgiving But I thought what I would do is like, So and do you have more on this guy?
1: No, I'm good on him
0: So what I thought we would do is So we'll do this as Scamsgiving For people's Thanksgiving And then we'll actually come back and do I have enough to do one more episode So we'll do a Black Friday episode as well That's about a couple of interesting scams That I have, that I've, that I've seen Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next time. So I'm going to tell you guys uh, a few things about some of the folks who are helping sponsor our show. Now, Labrati Creations sponsors our show, and you can always use the, the CrimeXS code there. Um, you can also just message them uh, at uh, Labrati Creations, and they will generally do something for the people who come from True Crime XS. They were our very first sponsor. They've done a lot for the show, and that code is CrimeXS at the first new advertisers that we have, and I've, I've selected all of these guys. I've selected all of these advertisers. So the very first one is Cure. Now, I'm going to tell you guys about this, uh, about Cure as being one of our sponsors. Our second sponsor for the show today is Laird. Now, Laird has a list of things that they want me to tell you about. They have better ingredients with amazing taste and functional benefits They have a superfood creamer crafted from the highest quality, all-natural, real food ingredients. All layered products are sustainably sourced and thoroughly tested to ensure that you're incorporating the cleanest, finest fuel into your routine. They have all-natural, whole food ingredients, and they contain naturally occurring MCTs made from coconut oil. There's no artificial flavors, there's no colors or additives, and there's no sugar from highly refined corn syrup. They want me to talk about my love of coffee, but the truth is I don't do much with coffee. But let me tell you someone who does. My wife has to have a cup of coffee every day. Now, I've fallen off recently, but one of the big things that I've done since the beginning of our relationship is she used to go and get a Starbucks every morning. I have substituted that out by always trying to make her coffee. It's not going to be every single day of time from when I met her, but for the most part, almost every day, I make her coffee. I put her creamers together and I make sure that she has a good way to start her day. So with Laird, he started experimenting with his morning ritual almost two decades ago. He found that when he started adding fats to his morning cup, like coconut oil, he had amazing energy throughout the rest of his day. He gradually perfected this recipe for an epic cup of fuel. And he began sharing it with his friends in the surf community. I'm an ocean guy, so I saw this item, and I was like, okay, we're going to try this one out. Are you ready to feel more energized, more focused, and supported? Go to layeredsuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. And you can use our promo code at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. Our offer code for this for Laird is going to be True Crime XS. Pretty much everywhere except for Laboratory Creations. If you use True Crime XS, that will get you at uh, Laird. will get you fifteen percent off. At some of the other places, it'll get you twenty percent off. Uh, I'm going to tell you about two more uh, sponsors today. So the first one is uh, the third one is Liquid IB. So let's talk about the real reasons that you need to hydrate. Late night TV binging, back-to-back Zoom meetings, going on a walk with your friends. Everyday hydration is not just for high-energy athletic endeavors. Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. It's now available in sugar-free. This is years in the making, but Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free uses a proprietary zero-sugar hydration solution with no artificial sweeteners. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, but it's also got eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone. Keep your daily routine exciting with three new flavors. They've got white peach, green grape, and lemon lime. I love all of these flavors, but... I think that my favorite is probably the green grape. Uh, White peach I use as a secondary flavor and lemon lime I leave here for my kids and my kids and my wife. Uh, Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. They also partner with leading organizations to fund and foster innovative solutions that help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50-plus countries around the world. You can get 20% off when you grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free or any other variant at liquidiv.com and use code TrueCrimeXS at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code TrueCrimeXS at liquidiv.com. And the last sponsor I want to tell you about is Zencaster. We are part of Zencaster's creative network. We've been using Zencaster since about midway into our first season. Uh, Meg and I experimented with a lot of different ways to put the podcast together. And the truth is Zencaster was an, an integral ingredient to us being able to bring you this show. It's so easy, it's now super easy. You can record a podcast with Zencaster, you can log in using your browser and you start recording a high quality podcast right away. You can record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guest. You get to feel a sense of Zen knowing that Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you will always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. You sound your best, I mean, if you've ever worried about what you sound like, Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes those ums and ahs in your recordings. It removes those awkward pauses and conversation too. You can set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a click of a button. That's how you don't hear my dogs every uh, second of every episode. Zencaster is all in one. If you've thought about podcasting before and realized that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are now over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place. And you can distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. Just go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code, True Crime Access, And you're going to get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. You can also check out the other plans they have available. I want you to have the same easy experiences that I do for all my podcasting and content needs. So, Zencaster.com slash pricing. The offer code is True Crime Access, And it's time for you to share your story today. Uh, We are also adding New Era as a uh, sponsor for the show. New Era Cap is a headwear and apparel brand founded in 1920 in Buffalo, New York. Now, uh, I actually have some experience with New Era Caps. My dad and I have been through multiple iterations of baseball caps through the years. We collect different styles, different eras. And then my teenager has started his own cap collection and has several New Eras as the centerpieces. Our favorite teams may not be the same, but our outfits are all topped with the same New Era ball caps. Uh, We love the quality and the ability to wear what the players are wearing. Not to mention, New Era is the leading headwear manufacturer with quality licensed products. You can support your favorite college or pro team in style from the official headwear provider for the MLB, NFL, and NBA. You can get a stylish accessory for your everyday ensemble and support True Crime XS. Just shop the official headwear and get 15% off when you go to neweracap.com. That's N-E-W-E-R-A-C-A-P.com slash truecrimexs. You can also use the code truecrimexs at checkout. That's it. That's all you have to do. And that's 15% off your order using the promo code truecrimexs.